back in the ball game. They have decided that whoever wins the tip, and in this case Toronto, they are going to let the shot clock run out because of the number 24 to honor Kobe Bryant. Fitting. Appropriate. As Fred Van Vliet holding on to it and the crowd recognizing what this means. Sean, how did these guys play? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, it'd be tough for me in this situation. We've been told the NBA is planning or has canceled some of the games this evening. And DeJounte Murray will do the same. A 24-second shot clock, of course, Kobe Bryant. Number 24. Fans recognize that through chanting Kobe. And now. Now, I said on our Twitter at Balling in the Six that I would not record another Balling in the Six podcast until the Raptors broke their winning streak. It's a great sort of issue to have. But the only problem was I was missing the microphone too much. And the way that Nick Murphy's team is playing, I don't think I could see Toronto losing again this season. Um, to come and discuss our 10-game, soon-to-be 11-game winning streak, I will welcome Varal back to the podcast. Varal, it's been a while. It's only your second episode of 2020. How are you feeling? Yo, man. I feel the exact same way you do certainly missed the podcast in my life in the past two three weeks and uh hopefully some of the listeners yeah it's been... well it's been a joyous sort of occasion absolutely man hopefully some of the listeners have been uh mourning that loss also but uh yeah the last 10 games um we'll i guess we'll get straight into it but uh it was it has been extremely positive given the fact that just before the win streak i think they were going through some struggles and we were uh I guess a bit ambivalent about their future direction so it's been really positive to see no definitely the christmas period obviously it was a bit difficult i think there was a time where a lot of people started to lose faith in toronto they went on three and five and their the last episode and this was just after our last recording was a loss to uh loss at home to san antonio it was a game where derozan i could call it derozan's revenge game put the Raptors at 25 and 14 and uh, it was a comeback loss as well the Raptors had a 16 point lead in that game and totally squandered it thanks to the mid-range mid-range king there but um yeah as you said it's been a comeback and I guess you know we can talk about correlation causation but there's no um it's no wonder that this winning streak has combined with the likes of Powell Gasol and Siakam returning to the side and you know you can even throw in Van Vliet for that matter um who's impressed you most do you think I mean just looking on the stats wise uh, I know you're more of an M- more of a wider NBA rather than focused on Raptors but who's sort of caught your eye just corner of your eye do you think uh for me it has to be Larry um for sure and you know it's something that I said I think uh I don't know how long ago, ago it was now like a month month and a half ago but 
I said I most certainly had him in my all-star team. And I think you were a bit dubious at the time. Um, Because, of course, we always um, promote this argument that Kyle Lowry does more than purely what you see on the box score. And um, despite that, even then, you said, well, does Kyle really deserve it? But... um, yeah, I think I think in these past ten games, he's he's shown why he deserves that spot. It's mainly the definition of clutch, right? It's not. I mean, as you said, if you look at the ten-game winning streak, he's averaging just sixteen point six points a game, uh, six assists, and five rebounds. He's only shooting forty-three percent from the field and thirty percent from behind the arc. But it's the moments yeah. when he scores, right? And it's the type of points he scores, right? He almost saves it up for the third quarter. Now you call him. Can someone call him third quarter Lowry? Because that's you know yep. that's when he delivers. Um, and of course you know, like the likes of Curry and stuff. That's that's the time which is most crucial, coming out of the half and uh, setting up uh, either extending a lead into the fourth quarter, or completing the comeback. Or, um, um, but yeah, as you said, he's been always third role. I think bailing out the team when it's like low on the shot clock. He typically is the one like um they'll just bring the ball back to if there's like five seconds left. And although like ISO is not. Uh, the strongest part of his game like that's that's still another reason as to why he doesn't actually shoot as efficiently as he could because he is a sniper from free if you really look at um, yeah, his percentages when he's like wide open for example yeah and of course and he of course became the Raptor uh, top assister in franchise history he overtook uh, against Cleveland, I remember he was throwing alley oops all game, trying to get that record, but he did it. And uh, sorry, against Atlanta uh, in a 113-114 win against Atlanta, he was throwing alley oops all game, and he eventually did it with a nice dish to Terrence Davis. And uh, is it extremely symbolic as well, dishing it to an undrafted player uh, to extend the lead over a you know bo- bit of a bottom feeding team in the East? Uh, but I won't look too deeply into that. Uh, my personal favourite's actually been... Well, I couldn't decide between Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka, actually. Be, okay. This, of course, is surprising. None of us chose Siakam. Siakam has dropped three 30-point games in the last... Uh, in this 10-game winning streak. And none of us have mentioned it, which shows the calibre of what he's up against. Norman Powell has actually been the top scorer in three of those games. 23, 28 and 27 against OKC Washington and Atlanta. Uh, away at Atlanta, actually. Um, and for Serge Ibaka has been delivering in the last three games it was astonishing against Cleveland uh, when the rest of the team weren't shooting um, he was baiting them out I think he hit four threes in that game uh, he became the first person in NBA history to get 500 threes and 1500 blocks so it kind of shows wow. how despite his build and despite what you think of him he's almost a modern stretch four at his age which is quite you know quite ironic really yeah um yeah i agree so with this is obviously there's obviously disappointment with powell because it was just revealed he fractured his finger yesterday so no one knows when he'll be back uh but it's just been that kind of season for him it was well i just stand of season it's a microcosm of his career in terms of coming back slowly building up going ham for a couple of weeks and then getting injured and having to start again. Um, who knows? He could he go go through an eventual healthy spell, and especially come playoffs, it would be extremely useful. But at the same time, 
you're just losing that piece of depth. And okay, we've got the likes of Terence Davis, who's filling in very well, even Matt Thomas, uh, who hasn't progressed as far as I would have liked. I gave him all my all-star votes, by the way. I'm not sure about you. <laughs> really? Uh, well, yeah, you're allowed to vote for... Um, on Google, you're allowed to vote for 10 Raptors players if you wanted to. And uh, Matt Thomas was always in my 10. Uh, you know, I'll never forget those snipers. That's funny. <laughs> wait, wait, so you can vote for 10, but surely it's like five from the West, five from the East. Oh, so in the All-Star vote, and we posted this on our Twitter, actually, uh, you can actually vote four different ways in one day. So you can actually give your favorite players four votes. Uh, so on Google and Google Assistant, you could vote for whichever 10 players you wanted. But on the NBA app and NBA.com, you could vote for five from the East, five from the West. So, so you downloaded Google Assistant. Like, what even is Google Assistant? Listen, man, uh, we're not, we're not, they're not sponsoring us, so I'm not going to say anything good or bad <laughs> about them. Um, but yeah, you could vote four times. I personally didn't have Google Assistant. I was a, I was a three-time voter. Uh, every okay, single day, that's how sad it was. But yeah, I, it looks like we didn't affect the choices at all. However, no. we're going to skip over the all-star choices for now. That is going to be in a bonus episode coming in a few days. Um, but I think just for this 10-game winning streak, um, if you look at a lot of the teams we faced, and Brad, I'll give you the full list of away at Oklahoma, home to Washington, away at Minnesota, away at Atlanta, at home to Philadelphia, then away at New York, away at San Antonio, home to Atlanta, away at Cleveland, and away at Detroit. Give me... What do you think one win which will really give the Raptors confidence either going into the rest of the regular season or the playoffs? What do you think is that win? I mean, there's the obvious candidate of Philadelphia, which is my choice, but yeah, I don't know. What do you think about these uh, the wins on the road against those Western Conference teams like San Antonio and OKC? <clears throat> yeah, I, I actually don't think any of those wins are actually impressive. I would only put... Ooh. The only one I would put in that category is OKC. Um, uh, what's wrong with Philadelphia, my friend? So with Philadelphia, man, like um, just watching them this season, um, I mean, they've really struggled in the past 10, 10 to 15 games. But it's just when you look at the team cohesion, it, it's it, the team is facing a lot of the problems that we envisioned um, before the season started. I mean, uh, with a non-shooting point guard, with how you're going to fit in Horford and Embiid, um, there's been things that they haven't been able to control. I think Richardson's been, or I think Richardson recently got injured for them, uh, Josh Richardson. But uh, it really, it, I think it boils down to the almost the regression of Ben Simmons. I actually, I don't know how his stats don't tell that story. That that's the thing. Um, to, to be fair though, his stats aren't remarkable, and I think they're they are worse than his even his uh, first year stats I believe um, of course he is, he is a fantastic player but um, you really haven't seen any actual uh, development in his game and I think he's actually regressing some areas when I've actually just watched his film um, I don't know just very worrying signs like his defence is probably not as good as it was last year his shoot, he's even it looks like even more reluctant to shoot um, he's still uh, clogging up areas on the court due to his lack of shooting. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, really disappointing to watch. And I, I was really surprised by how 
much of a consensus pick he was for the All-Star game, really. But yeah, he I think he's well, right. probably the I fundamental mean... problem to that team, to be honest. Well, yeah. It was interesting with Philly actually, and so we won't get sidetracked too much here. But yeah, yeah, without Embiid, yeah. uh, he why not why not play Ben Simmons as center? Why not? And I remember they put uh, it was Ryle Neto, wasn't it? I'm not, I don't know if I'm confusing him for the Wolves player, but um, it was yeah, it was Ryle Neto uh, who came in, and I think they were playing some fantastic basketball. It was a it was about a week ago now. Uh, they had Simmons at the five, and they had Neto at the point guard. And they were great. It was the, in fact, I think it was against the Warriors, which might not be the best indication mm, yeah, these yeah, days. Yeah. But yeah. it's now when it comes to uh, this stretch of games, uh, one thing I really wanted to ask you, Kamel, was: Do you think it has been down to potentially an easier schedule as to why the Raptors have seen success, or? Rather, has it been down due to like a fundamental change in their style of play? Have when watching them, has anything jumped out to you when it comes to uh, potentially like an alteration that Nick Nurse has made? Well, I think there's three facets here that you have to look at. Well, four, in fact. One, let's look at the schedules first of all, as you mentioned. During that three and five streak, we played away at Indiana twice against Boston. We played against a resurgent Oklahoma City side. We also played uh, against Portland and Mello, of course, and away at Miami as well. So it and of course at San Antonio uh, against San Antonio. So yes, it was a more difficult streak of games and one, but it was one which the Raptors would might have expected to go five or three, six and two in, etc. The second reason here is, as we mentioned, players coming back. Gasol has been a big playmaker throughout the early stages of the season. And we really missed that against uh, against the likes of, you know, Boston and Indiana, and especially Miami, actually, mm. going up against um, and uh, Bam Adebayo. Deserved all-star, by the way. Mm-hmm. But likes of Gasol coming back... I mean, Siakam coming back is huge. We haven't even... We haven't done our due diligence to give him a proper mention. But as we've said, three times in this winning streak, he's scored over 30 points. I mean... Yep. And he, when he comes back, he's, he's just a talisman. The Raptors, as we said at the start of the season, are going to start without a star player. But we've got an all-star starter playing every single game and delivering every single game. There's been a couple of duds recently. Maybe you shake, put that up to rustiness. But he, when he's on the court, it's not only a scoring, but his mere presence forces the double team, you know, forces people to focus on different things. And it's 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 almost uh, what do you call it? You call it the tangibles of the game, right? When yeah. a, a, it doesn't a, something that doesn't show up in the box score actually helps you. So again, Siakam and Gasol coming back, yeah. Norman Powell coming back, even Van Vliet coming back. He's been our top scorer in two of the last uh, two of this uh, winning streak, and our top assister in five, mm-hmm. actually. Um, mm-hmm. Then of course you've got the actual stats themselves. So in December. Admittedly, we didn't have a bad streak all of December, but uh, we only shot 35% from the three compared to 37% now. Mm. In December, we shot 44% from the field. January, we're shooting almost 47%. Mm. So it's not, it's, it's those little differences which are leading to those winning in tight games, right? Yeah. In that streak, we lost in 
over uh, we lost in overtime to Indiana. We lost by one to Oklahoma. We lost on a you know a dagger uh, by Melo in Portland. Yeah. And in this streak, we've grinded out tight wins away at San Antonio. Uh, in fact, at home to Atlanta as well, and to an extent away at Oklahoma City. So it's those tight sort of wins that come. But when you talk about the actual play itself, you'll notice now the Raptors are taking that extra pass. So you know it's that thing. I don't know if you play 2K Viral that much, but it's that thing in 2K which is ultimately ultimately satisfying is when you're driving to the hoop, you go up for the layup, you do a move in midair, and you dish it instead of going to the basket. And that dishing means the expected uh, we, in football of course you call it expected goals in basketball let's call it expected baskets goes up immeasurably and it's the Raptors taking it could be kicked mm. out for a corner three it could be dished to someone Ibaka for a mid-ranger could be dished to someone in the paint to go up for a dunk but it's taking that extra pass which the Raptors have done which means they're getting a lot more open open threes against contested threes and just a lot more easy buckets lastly and I want to make this a five point thing it's the fast break. The fast break with the likes of Siakam has been immeasurable, as we've seen. And we've got mm. quick rookies, the likes of Terrence Davis, uh, even Hollis Jefferson, to an extent, who's, you know, been decent in the last few games. Of course, Norman Powell is brilliant on the on uh, on the counter-attack. Rapid. Yeah, and, and strong so, as well. Oh, yeah. And very, yeah. And he'll be a big miss. So I think, uh, in a nutshell, those are those five things that are making the Raptors better. Yeah, I think that's an excellent analysis. I think just one point, side point, I just wanted to add as well. Um, defense. If you're getting back Siakam, who can switch pretty much from two to five. And Gasol, one of the premier defensive centers. So I, I haven't looked at the stats, but again, I would imagine the defensive rating has probably surged uh, as well during that time. And um, yeah, I think uh, all the factors that you mentioned, um, basically... I think it basically comes down to like, um, given that now the team has um, slightly different personnel with the uh, injured guys coming back, um, it's allowed them to play in a slightly different way. But I think the uh, Nick Nurse's philosophy has probably essentially stayed the same. Uh, so yeah, just we've just been more consistent and um, hopefully they can continue this. As you said, they're going to play Chicago tonight. I imagine we're both hopefully going to be watching that game. So um, we'll see if they make it 11. Yeah, and 11, of course, would be match the biggest winning streak Toronto have had in franchise history. Uh, But already that win against Detroit deservedly secured Nick Nurse a berth coaching at the All-Star game, which again, we're going to push on our bonus episode in a few days. Um, We're going to take a little break. And then, of course, as you might have heard at the start of the episode, we're going to pay tribute and also discuss the full legacy of the man himself, Kobe Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, the global basketball community, the Toronto Raptors, and all of Canada are devastated by Sunday's tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gianna, and to all those who lost their lives. Tonight, we join together to remember some of the many great moments Kobe provided to basketball fans all over the world. We marvel at his passion for our game and at his tremendous skills. 
some of which Emmanuel unleashed against our team. Now, we are thinking of Kobe, his daughter Gianna, his teammates, his friends, and especially his loved ones. Along with our NBA family, all of Canada are united in grief and deeply saddened at the loss of one of the greatest players in our sport, who was taken far too soon. He was one of the most extraordinary players in the history of our game, with accomplishments that are legendary. Five NBA championships, an NBA MVP award, 18 NBA All-Star selections, and two Olympic gold medals. He was generous with the wisdom he acquired and saw it as his mission to share it with future generations of players, taking special delight in passing down his love of the game to Gianna. We send our heartfelt condolences to his wife Vanessa, their family, the Lakers organization, the entire sports world, and to all the families affected. There will never ever be another Kobe Bryant. Welcome back to Balling in the Six. Um, Burrell, Kobe Bryant was important to you for a number of reasons, and discussing him is also important. Everything about him is also important for a number of reasons. Uh, can you sort of take us through this? Yeah. Um, I want to start this off by just saying, uh, you know, I think just seeing that outpouring of emotion by the basketball community. I think this guy was somebody who so many of us fixated on for like probably a period of 10 to 15 years. I mean, during his title winning run with Shaq, like that was a time me and uh, Coombe, we, we weren't, we were like little todgers. We didn't even know probably what basketball was at that time. And so- I was dunking actually, but sorry, yeah, I'll go ahead. Right on, like a probably a little kiddies uh, hoop in your back garden. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> yeah, just really, I wanted to, I just really wanted to discuss like what exactly it meant to me because uh, Kamel possibly knows this, but when it comes to like celebrity deaths, usually I don't really care in the slightest because usually, um, when it comes to any celebrity they probably don't mean that much to me and even if they did i always see them as somebody who i didn't know personally and so i kind of think it's almost irrational to get too upset about say somebody like uh mac miller dying uh, whose music i listen to because again i've never met him i never spoke to him in person so um for me there's more important things to get upset upset about in life but I'm sure Kamel will probably agree with me. He, he's probably going to know exactly where he was when he heard the news. And I, I know it's only been a week, a week, but when I went, so a friend of mine like said it to me in person, and I just remember thinking, 
I don't know. My heart just dropped. <laughs> I just, I was, I was. Yeah, I, I imagine you felt the same, Kamel. But I was just in yeah, I mean, an absolute state of shock. I mean, originally I was in complete. I didn't believe it originally. I mean, I saw it on Twitter, and I thought, you know, I thought, you know, it was one of those like joke articles. Someone had just posted like a. Fake yeah, yeah. You see those all the time, like, celebrities, don't you? Yeah, like, and I was oh, like, uh, right no, this is not true. But then it started coming out on more reputed sort of news sources, and then that's when he sort of realised, wow, this is real, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and um, I almost had this like just, I guess it was just like a flashback of just like all the things that I've read about him and I've uh, seen from him because when we made an episode a year ago, uh, we talked about the training habits and the work ethics of certain players <laughs> the name that just kept coming up over and over again when we were doing research for that episode of course it was kobe just ridiculous stories like you wouldn't you wouldn't believe them unless you knew who they were coming from like they were coming from like the Dwayne wades or like the lebron james's when they saw him in the gym um just almost a some would say like a psychopathic and obsessive mindset towards his profession like it's really unbelievable and i know it's been something that's been harped on by the media in terms of all the uh, stories that have been coming out about it but for me his legacy um isn't complete without talking about a slightly darker period in his past and um before anyone jumps to any conclusions i i assume some of you would know what i'm talking about some of you maybe not but um and of course a lot of this is all alleged which is just to get past this absolutely past the yeah yeah um yeah that, that i was uh, gonna caveat it with that but um thank you <laughs> um just in case you don't know um i believe it was in 2003 when there was a um uh, well, let's say, let's call it a rape allegation uh, on Kobe's behalf um, with a sexual encounter he had uh, with a woman, uh, I believe it was like a, some beauty spa resort. Um, and I remember I read about the facts of the case like last year and um, anyone else they read about, uh, so I've also looked at Mike Tyson's history, Carl Malone's history. And um, of course, when you read something like that, it does change the way you see somebody uh you think oh maybe perhaps he's not the person who i thought he was and uh so when we're looking at the case here um, i think it's really important to actually analyze the facts of the case and what actually this means for his legacy and who he was as a human being because um so how the uh case eventually unfolded so this uh this uh, woman came forward and um, she eventually didn't charge Kobe and they actually settled out of court. But I think the important part to focus is on is Kobe's statement of the affair. And it, it's essentially what it boiled down to was, I do believe the encounter that we had was consensual, but I am sorry for what occurred and I can understand that perhaps from her point of view the encounter wasn't consensual. That was his final statement on the matter. 
When what? we put that in the light of... Sorry, Camille. No, no, carry on, carry on. When we put that in the light of um, recent events, of course, we had like the Me Too movement and just, uh, you know, the, all, all the allegations that have come, um, that have hit like male celebrities. Um, almost, this is almost, you could almost say this exclusively of every allegation in this movement. Um, practically every single male celebrity denied it. That, and that was their statement. They would, have, and some of these celebrities, of course, you guys will know names, but like, they would have 10, 15 people coming forward, and they all, pretty much all of them, to a T, denied everything. And I think it really says a lot that that uh, Kobe was able to be self-reflective and try to understand it from the woman's perspective and that's why i actually with other allegations i tend not well depending on the facts of the case like i'm more disbelieving of it really because when you have like 15 20 people and w with some of the evidence you have from these other cases you think well um i find it very hard to believe that uh that nothing untoward happened you know mm. but with kobe i i guess i I more so tend to believe his side of the story just because he's also, he's been so honest in his statement. He said that, yes, I think, again, it boils down to he, he perhaps understands that he didn't quite act in the best possible way in that situation. And so why does this matter to his legacy? Why have I brought this up? I think it comes down to who we look at as role models because one thing that I really despise about all this uh, celebrity culture is like just how idolized everyone is and uh, you know it, it's a pedestal people get put on and perhaps of, kind of unfairly for them like they're not allowed to be honest about any of their shortcomings because they just get absolutely blasted by every outlet um, and again why do they get blasted because those kind of stories get clicks they get views people interact they look at them and so it's so hard for a celebrity to come out and be honest about a potential mistake that they've made. I mean, um, it's a yeah, bit more on. than a mistake sometimes, obviously. I mean, don't want to sort of, as you've said, don't want to belittle any claims made or allegations made, uh, which of course may be true or maybe not true. You know, who knows at this stage? Uh, yes. Obviously, it was settled, but, you know, no one knows the full truth about anything. Uh, just to, Pre predate that, um, and no, yes. you're right. You're right in terms of actually Kobe's full legacy. I mean, when you talk about me and you, maybe talking about Kobe's full legacy, like you know, for myself and you know people around, him, even for uh, for Samuel, you know, our Portland correspondent, right? He's he's been nonstop on the basketball court since Kobe's death because he was inspired by the grind he put in and. You know, for a lot of people, that's Kobe's legacy. Oh, you know, it's the work hard, get up, 3.30 on the court, etc. But as you say, mm -hmm. you have got to talk about this because it's you, it's impossible to ignore. And well, I guess one of the reasons we leaving this conversation to a week after this tragedy happened is that it's 
and we were actually having a pre-podcast discussion and I was like you know you said we wanted to bring it up I was like a bit reluctant to bring it up because of the heat that a lot of and people understandably got. so understandably right because you so, know Washington yeah. Post reporter was suspended bringing it up but you're right in terms of there is no good time to bring everything up we're always taught oh don't no. bring it up now it's a bad time but there's no good time to bring it up so you do need to discuss it and of course we've uh, we've discussed it with I believe uh, respect for both parties and uh, timeliness wise you know we've put out a good time as well you know it's still hopefully the legacy is still people are still digesting his legacy so hopefully listeners can sort of analyse this and uh, you know listen to your monologue and and have second thoughts on on some things around around his circumstances throughout his life yes um i just want to reiterate that point like uh we we absolutely understand that it's it's only been a week uh, since he passed away and um it's it just i I was just i said to camille just when when do we bring this up do we bring this up six times six months from now a year from now that I think that would be even more uncomfortable to bring up then because you I mean when somebody's legacy is being formed like it's usually the most important period for that is in the immediate in the immediacy of uh, their passing and so um, it for us the most important thing is to be respectful about everything it's not to um, unfairly, not not unfairly, but I'd say uh, you know, be rude or offensive in any way. Like that's not our, our intention, but I think yeah, it's absolutely essential that we need the whole picture because I think this is something that Kobe would say. Let's put this one incident aside with the kind of mentality that he had. I think for him to be for for him and what I take away from him most is uh, his lack of complacency. And almost how how much he detested that quality, and with a lack of complacency, there has to be that mentality of you thinking to yourself that you're you are not the best version of yourself, and that you can improve all the time. And so, for me, with with Kobe, it's um, if you if you were to ask him that question, do you think you are great? Do you think? that you are an amazing human being is something that so many people have said in the media like everyone who knew him how just how loving and, and warm a person he was like you hear about all his interactions with like uh, other sportsmen in, in their respective fields and Kobe was constantly giving them moral support trying to mentor them giving them advice because ultimately he, he seemed like the type of person who wanted to see other people succeed not just himself that's um, true. He was always there on hand, you know, whether Hayward got injured or someone needed advice or, you know, and you could, you could see in the, in the tributes paid to him, you know, people... From every hoping, field, every yeah, field, every walk people, of life. People were hoping he'd be an elder statesman of the game, uh, you know, like yeah. Bill, maybe Bill Russell and things are now. And, you know, obviously he's absolutely iconic in the way, in the way it happened. And I think um, just on that note, there's no sort of better way to send him off uh, then to play you all 81 points Kobe scored against Toronto well uh, thanks very much for appearing on this it's quite an emotional episode obviously uh, for various reasons um, and yeah we'll see you in a few days for the All-Star game yeah, All-Star and... selection discussion let me 
clarify. Yeah, and uh, respect to Kobe, and I, uh, I just hope that his family and friends can uh, find peace with this incident. Enjoy all 81 points. Think three consecutive 30 point games. Kobe reverse layup to score. Just get going. Joe McDonald here in for Joel. Two minutes alongside it. Kobe, another tough shot. Some of the rookies, of course, at this point hitting the wall halfway through the season as Kobe knocks it down the other night. In fact, his worst shooting night in a month. Here's Kobe. Oh, sweet move. A little bit in Milwaukee, then down in Houston. He's one of those guys that everybody wants. 57 straight. Make it 58. He's up to 58, 59 now. 59. It's a double-double just about every night. Kobe is back in and not a moment too soon. Devin George guns it to Mim. Little backdoor. Kobe scores on the slam. Knocks down the three with regularity. Kobe trying to answer back from two. Go to the side story when the Lakers are down by 14. That's what, now 61 in a row? Did I do it? Yeah. Is it my fault? Scoreboard says 60-49. All of the Lakers have to get going offensively. Kobe has been going, and he keeps it going with the backhand layup. Brian again for the Lakers. Kobe baseline, got it again. Just yo-yoing the dribble and stops at the top of the key. Well, they're giving him the ball to see if he can add to it. Yes, he does. Still six and a half to play in the third. He pulls up for a three. Yes! Kobe again. Here's Kobe trying to move around Mo Pete, trying to put him up. Finally shoots, counted in the foul. Decides to go up with him, gets him on the arm. Here's Kobe again, yes sir. Kobe all the way, reverse slam is good. Knocked away by Kobe, great hustle by Kobe. He's gonna score, slam dunk, Lakers lead. Oh, great pass, Kobe alone, slam dunk. All geared for you, but he's void of all the time. Nobody helping right now defensively, so he'll take the 15 Kobe. Kobe counted foul. Kobe goes straight to the dribble in the lane, laid up and in. His average tonight, you would think. His average is... Kobe with it now. Lakers lead 105-96. Another three. Four away from Elgin Baylor's Laker record. For three again. Yes! Well, there's 70. Oh my goodness. I see your point though. Kobe down the middle. Second. 27 in the third. I see it. Here's number one. Do you believe it? This one would be to tie Wilt for number two, and the next one would be to pass. For the night at least. Ball for 80. This would be 18 for 20 from the line, and an 81-point game, 55 in the second half. Ladies and gentlemen, you have witnessed the second greatest scoring performance in NBA history.